0: Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast, presented by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. Get 15% off your online order with the promo code HEELS15. Go to jerseymikes.com slash order now.
1: Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegler here with Greg Barnes. Going to be discussing the news that Inside Carolina broke earlier today that former head coach Mac Brown is going to be rejoining the Tar Heels as their new head coach. Uh, We will also have later on in this podcast our roundtable crew of Jason Staples, Buck Sanders, Tommy Ashley, may even have some interviews with uh, some guys that played under Mac Brown. So for everyone listening to this one, stay tuned for that. But right now, We have the man of the hour for Inside Carolina, Greg Barnes. Man, talk about breaking stories left and right, Greg. How was your weekend first off, dude? Because you came back from the uh, basketball trip out to Las Vegas, and then just you you literally have not stopped, I'd imagine, in like the last 48 hours.
0: (laughs) No, I tell you, I took a red eye back on Friday from Vegas, uh, and I don't sleep well on planes, and I don't think most people do. I probably got about an hour of sleep, uh, and I just I had to lay over in uh Cincinnati about five o'clock and then get in get to uh r d u come home and While I was not at the n c state game, uh, I helped out online before, during, and after uh and then of course, after the game is when we really got to work, trying to get everything kind of laid out and uh, it's been nonstop since so still in a couple hours of sleep here and there. Uh, but I will say this: you know, with with all things with IC, this is a group effort. This is certainly not just me sitting at my computer figuring all this stuff out. Um, Buck and Ben and uh, everybody just, just plays a big role in this, and that's one of the reasons IC is is that so much success breaking stories over the years.
1: Absolutely, it is top notch from the bottom to the the top there. So can't say enough to to say thanks to all of those guys, and you know Jason, Buck, and and. Tommy and I think even Mike Ingersoll talked about the exodus of Coach Lee Fedora during their podcast that was recorded on Sunday. So now we're sitting here on Monday afternoon, Greg, and the news broke that Carolina has already hired the, the new head coach, Mac Brown. What was your initial reaction when you did hear from the sources that Mac was going to be the choice?
0: Well, I think a lot of people have questions about how does this come about so quick? And does this mean that these talks were taking place a month ago? And those are legitimate questions because that has been so fast. Uh, but I think kind of the, the way people need to understand how this works is, you know, even after the ECU game, which was just a debacle. Uh, the, the intel that we had and pretty much what everybody was saying was that Larry Fedora would be back for 2019. Uh, they understood it was a, a tough year, uh, but you know, he, had a, he had a large buyout, and they thought that you maybe give him another year to get things turned around. Um, but as the season went along, uh, I think a lot of people uh, that, that factor into the decision-making process realized that you know, Larry had, had started to lose the fan base, and I think that was uh, increasingly clear, especially after the Duke loss. I think there's probably some there's probably some hope that, hey, you know, maybe, maybe this year hasn't gone well, but if he can beat Duke and State, you know, that, that'll rally the base a little bit. Mm-hmm. Of course, that didn't happen. And I think that the last couple of weeks is when it went from, oh, uh, he's, he's probably going to be back. There may be some staff changes, but he'll be back to, okay, do we, do we really need to seriously consider uh, moving on? And uh, so it was a very kind of last-minute decision. Uh, and then I think it just kind of worked out where they had some ideas in mind of kind of where they wanted to go. And I don't think like the group of five level, for example, was a direction uh, they wanted to go down again because they've already done that course with Fedora. And then you start saying, okay, well, who were the power five options? You know, who are some head coaches that may be interested in coming? And I think a lot of those guys either weren't interested or maybe they there were some issues kind of in the, on the back burner. And then, uh, then you start looking at some of the elite defensive – or some of the elite coordinators, both defensive and offensive. You're guys like Brent Venables maybe. Uh, Mel Tucker at Georgia has been a name that's been thrown around. Ryan Day at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think you kind of have to make the decision, you, how do you want to shape this? And I think very quickly Bubba and company realized that, hey, Max's interested in the job. He's kind of got you know a new energy about him. This makes sense. And that's why this went from being, you know, a month ago to hey, Fedora's coming back to you, know, Mac's gonna be hired so quickly is because all those pieces kind of fell into place.
1: And Mac has made no, you know, he's never hidden the fact that he still holds a deep affinity for Chapel Hill. So was this a situation, Greg, where you felt as soon as it became clear that Fedora was not going to be retained for 2019, that Mac Brown immediately went into those back channels that he still has in place in the athletic department and said, "Hey, I'm very interested in this. Let's talk." Do you think that that happened maybe like a week or a week ago, two weeks ago? Is that probably the, the correct time frame?
0: Uh, yeah. I think when you get down to the nitty gritty of it, when there's actual discussions of saying, Hey, you know, if there's an opening I'm interested. I think that's probably accurate. Now in terms of the ties, like you mentioned, I mean, he, he him and his wife, Sally uh, have a long history with Chapel Hill. You know, Mac Matt, Matt came back and UNC threw him a celebration party for his hall of fame induction back in August mm-hmm. at the blue zone. Uh, he spoke at, at Roy Williams uh, season tip-off event. That's that. Uh, I believe it goes to uh, Charity for, for Cancer, if I'm, if I'm thinking correctly. Uh, and he's he's been in town. He's been at practice with the team, talking with the team. And so I, I think there's this familiarity. There's this comfort level. Uh, Mac has been pretty outspoken. I mean, last year, last last November, uh, he was putting his name out there on the radio, very similar to what Jimbo Fisher did back before he got the FSU job, saying, look, I'm interested in getting back into coaching. He was like, you know, if Arizona State wants to come and talk to me about their job, I'm interested. I want to talk about that that possibility. And then again in April, he sat down uh, with a TV station out of Austin, and he said, "Look," he said, "you know, I'm, I'm interested in getting back into it. It's got to be somewhere that means something to us, where we can come in and be appreciated. we also thinking that we can really give back to the community and give back to the program and really help out. And so when you take all these things into account." It makes sense, right? I mean, this is like a, a ideal situation, um, and uh, I, I think this the way things trended there very late is you know Mac by no means is, is trying to force Larry out. I don't want people to get that impression, but I think when it became clear that Larry was going to be uh, dismissed, then it was a situation. Okay, well now all of a sudden there's a coaching position open at a place that I have experience with, a p- place that I love, my wife loves. Why not? And I think that's kind of how we got to here.
1: And do you think that Carolina ever really interviewed other candidates, Greg? L- like you said, you mentioned at the very first that UNC maybe reached out and um, gauged some interest. But was this a a situation where you know Mac kind of was at the forefront? Carolina did some due diligence, but it was very quickly that they did realize that Mac was going to be the person that they wanted for this job.
0: Well, I, you know, in terms of like a formal interview. I'm not sure that that occurred, uh, but I do know there was there were conversations, you know, the know, back channels, which which mm-hmm. always occurs whether you're reaching out to agents or agents talking to agents or whatever it may be. Uh, but there's a lot of those conversations to make sure you're kind of checking all your boxes. You don't want to just make a decision without making sure you've you've kind of covered every base. Yeah. Um. But I but I do think that you know, once it became clear that that Mac was really interested. Uh, you Mac, Mac knows how to play the game now, right? But he, he knows how to rally support and all those kind of things. That's why he's so good at what he does. And I think he got a lot of people in his favor very quickly. Uh, and I think it just made sense at a lot of different levels.
1: All right. And then where does UNC go from here in terms of building a staff? Do you think that we could get some potential news and some hirings on that front? Like by the end of this week, Greg?
0: Certainly can. I, I it would not surprise me um, that we have some announcements soon. Now, I'll, let me let me phrase it like this: uh, We know there have already been discussions with certain people about joining the staff, um, and so when you get to that point where you know they're talking numbers already, that's a pretty indicate pretty good indication that that these some of these things are going to be wrapped up pretty quickly. Now, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean everybody will be. And that doesn't mean they're all going to be announced. You know, as we get that information in, we'll do our best to report that. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, uh, the, key, the key here, and one of the reasons this happened so quickly, too, is everything has changed in the last year because of that early signing period. I mean, if you remember back to when Larry, Ford, Larry Fedora was hired, he was announced on December 9th. What did he do after that press conference?
1: He coached his team for the bowl game.
0: He went back to Southern Miss and went with them to Hawaii. He came back and moved to Chapel Hill during the dead period. So he really didn't even start recruiting until that first week of January. Now he got a lot of grief for that, but he still had a full month to tie up a recruiting class. Mm -hmm. You can't do that now with that early recruiting period. So with it being December 19th, now you've got what, three and a half weeks? Not even that. To try to Uh, you land some guys to try to switch some guys flip some guys and so you've got to have guys in place to make to make those kind of decisions so while he may not have everybody lined up i think most of his staff at least his key recruiters will be on the ground operating very quickly
1: all right well let's go ahead greg and take a quick commercial break And like I said, when we get back, we'll be speaking with the rest of the Inside Carolina Roundtable. But for now, Greg, really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me, man. Hopefully you can get some sleep here. All right. Thanks, John. Let's take a moment to talk about our friends at Heels Travel. They are a valued IC podcast sponsor. And earlier in the year, they received rave reviews for their travel package for the UNC versus Cal game earlier in the fall. If you missed out on that one, you still had the chance to book your package with Heels Travel because they are selling one to go see Carolina take on Kentucky in the CBS Sports Classic in Chicago on December 22nd. To book that package, you can call 336-855-0060 to book or you can visit HeelsTravel.com. Now that trip includes round-trip airfare from RDU to Chicago's O'Hare Airport, Transportation to and from the airport, and a two night stay in the Omni Chicago. It's right on Michigan Avenue in downtown Chicago, and it's also the same hotel where the basketball team is going to be staying. That's a pretty cool experience for you and the family. So, that price and inclusions are offering at the Omni Chicago are even less than if you booked it directly. It's going to be a great chance to see your Tar Heels take on an opponent on a big stage and explore a great city right around Christmas time. So again, call 336-855-0060 to book or visit HeelsTravel.com. That's 336-855-0060 or visit HeelsTravel.com to book today. And we are back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegler here with Tommy Ashley and Buck Sanders. And I am pleased to say that right now we have a special guest on the pod. Tommy, going to hand it over to you to do the intro, man. I appreciate it John. Uh so
2: when Mac Brown all the news broke that Mac Brown was coming back to Chapel Hill, it seemed logical for us to try to reach out and speak to some players from Mac's first go round. And I think maybe a, a perfect guy to talk about Mac Brown um is Brandon Spoon and we've got Brandon here with us. Brandon, how you doing?
3: Doing really well. How are you guys?
2: Doing great. Appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to join us i want to jump right into it you were at carolina from 96 to 2000 of course mac brown was there mac left let's start uh with the thing that most people talk about when they talk about mac brown and that's his ability to recruit speak to what it was like um, back as an 18 17 18 year old kid getting recruited by coach brown and his staff way back when um uh, when they were trying to get you to come to
3: North Carolina. Uh, you you said it best. Coach Brown uh was and is a great recruiter. Um he, he does a great job of not only recruiting the, the student athlete but also the parents. And he he sold my mom on North Carolina and and what they were gonna be able to do for me as a as a young man far sooner than he sold me. Um but he and Coach Moody and Coach Torbush are just—they did a great job recruiting me. Coach Brown is very upfront, very honest. It's—it's uh, it's not a lot of games with him when he recruits, but you know he sells the big picture. And it was uh, everything he said recruiting-wise. He, he didn't—he didn't hold any punches back. Uh, he didn't make any promises. Uh, he just—he told me he'd give me the the best opportunity to succeed on and off the field. Um and, and he lived up to it. he's a great recruiter uh, and and it showed i mean he won every top player in the state year after year when he was there, and that's why we were able to build a program as good as we as we have
4: uh Brandon, this is Buck. I wanted to ask so we we've learned a little bit about the recruiting piece of mac um how was he as a coach i mean did some people are described as uh players coaches. Some people are described as like war daddies as coaches and uh so so what was he like to be around you know on the practice field in the building in meeting rooms um
3: how, how did How did all that play out for you you know he, he's He's very meticulous in the details uh, as far as a head coach i mean there's there's many times that I can remember in practice or in the weight room saying or doing something that I didn't think anyone saw or I would make a mistake on the field that I didn't think he would see at practice. And I didn't think anybody saw. And then I hear his voice in the background, you know, riding me and, and correcting me and coaching me. Um, you know, he's, he's really big on personal accountability. Um, he, he's a great head coach. And, you know, he did a great job of hiring great assistants and, and putting a great staff around him and allowing them to do their job. Uh, So he, you know, he does run it. It is a business. College athletics is a business now and he runs it as a CEO, but he is very hands on with what he does. And he's very engaged with the players. Um, You know, he's a motivator. He motivates you with the little things. Um, And one of the biggest things that stood out to me was, you know, how he. Impressed upon us our own our, the personal accountability and everything that we did was was a job interview whether it was on the field or off the field and how we carried ourselves and presented ourselves to absolutely everyone I mean that that sticks with you far longer than football so you know he he does a, he pushes all the right buttons when he needs to and he knows how to push different buttons with different players Um, know I coach high school football now and one of the the favorite things that I've I took away from him as a coach that he everybody's going to be treated fairly but not everybody's going to be treated equal and you know he knows how to motivate players that way and it's it, it works and I'm looking forward to it again this go round for him.
2: That's a great point about the treat fairly but not necessarily equal that's especially in this day and age a, a lot of a lot of players athletes have to understand that and if Brown can get that through to the players today then Carolina are certainly. Farewell, while he's at North Carolina now, Brandon. Let me ask you a couple things, and I want you to speak to them first. The talent level on those teams you played on, especially in '97, '98. I mean, you. I know in '97 you were more considered the fourth guy, the fourth linebacker, um, but you played a ton then. You had K Mays with you, uh, Brian Simmons, of course. We still hear from often uh, being as a part of the radio shows and keith newman speak to that level of talent you guys had back then and why maybe north carolina fans especially on defense can expect uh more of that talent to come back because let's be honest the defensive side of the ball lately has been you know not as good as carolina fans are accustomed to partly because of that unit you were a part of when you were in chapel hill well
3: I, i think uh competition breeds greatness and you know there's I'll never speak badly about a player that's on the field no matter what their record is because I've I've been on great teams and I've been on less than great teams and uh, the the thing that's going to push you know this team forward is 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 the recruiting it's the you know bringing in the, the the caliber players that they need but also you know, regardless of how what what your rating is as a recruit, it's it's the competition on the field, it's the competition in the weight room, it's the competition in the meeting rooms and and on the practice fields. I mean, the, I was I was a Buckus Award candidate as the fourth linebacker. I didn't even start on that team, and so so you know we created competition daily just to you know keep our own spot. I, one of the guys backing me up as a sophomore was a, was a true freshman, Cedric Hodge. Two years later, he's on the Buckus Award candidate list. Um, You know, Coach Brown's going to do what he has to do to recruit the players just to keep that uh, competitiveness at an all-time high, and and that's what breeds excellence. You know, it's it's unfortunate with with NCAA sanctions and recruiting limitations that it, it can kind of pull away from that. You can get great talent, but if you don't have enough depth, to create that competition, it, it, your your finished product's going to suffer.
4: Brandon, I'm going to move on to a different topic here. I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the atmosphere in Keenan Stadium. I don't know if you've been around Keenan Stadium lately. The the atmosphere wasn't all that great this past season for a variety of reasons, but uh, play of the team being one of them. But Tommy and I were both there on uh, Judgment Day uh judgment night whatever uh when you guys mm-hmm. lined up against Florida State and to to this day um all the the games that I've been to at UNC that was absolutely the greatest atmosphere I've ever been to in a game in Kenan and speak to you know how Mac Brown went about I mean not just putting a team in that position to have a night like that but he he didn't just uh sell the team or coach the team he was very active in reaching out to the fan base and getting the fan base involved. and talk about the importance of that and what you saw of that out of Coach Brown.
3: Well, you know the product on the field is always going to bring people into the stands, and you know Coach Brown is one of the biggest reasons so many people are excited about this is, is his former players and, and alumni they remember what he did how he brought other people back into the program and created excitement about it. First and foremost, the product on the field is going to put people in the stands and that's, that's going to be his first and and the biggest hurdle and goal that he's going to have. Um, but he, but he is engaged. He, uh, he does understand, uh, you know, it, it's a, it is a business. I keep, I hate to keep saying that, but it is a business with college athletics, but, it's it's a competitive business, and again, as a motivator, he's going to push the right buttons to get people excited. You know, he can motivate people in many ways. I mean, um, he is he's a master recruiter of people, not just student athletes. And you know what he will be able to do, and and I think he's going to do it now, is just create that buzz about Carolina football again that it's that it we haven't had in the past couple of years. You know, Coach Fedora did a great job getting them to the. The ACC championship, and there was a, a, a great excitement surrounding football uh, a few years ago. But you know, it's it's a cycle, and then you just got to keep moving forward. And Coach Brown's done that in the past, and you and, know and I'm really excited he's going to do it again.
1: So, Brandon, being a North Carolina native yourself, I see here from your Wikipedia page, man, that you were born in Burlington, North Carolina. You said that you are still coaching football out there. Mac Brown has a very special relationship with this state. Do you think that him coming back to North Carolina will reinvigorate that? And overall, how do you think he is perceived amongst North Carolina coaches and just the population really in general?
3: Well, he's a Hall of Fame coach, and and that you know, there's not a lot of people that can that can speak to that. Um, I think he, he's he's very well received. You know, coach, I've I've coached high school football for a while, um, uh, and I've been around it all my life with my dad being a coach, and what it it always stood out how he treated the North Carolina high school coaches uh, through the coaches clinic through spring ball, through spring practices and his, his engagement with them. I think he's got a very good relationship uh, with a lot of the coaches still remaining. And, you know, regardless if, if he's got new blood and new coaches in there or not, like I said, a hall of fame resume, you know, carries a lot of weight. So, you know, he's going to garner that respect and that attention as soon as he walks in the door with, with all of the high schools. Um, and that is that is the number one thing that he did um, when he recruited me. His goal, number one, was to win the state in recruiting. And he did that year after year. His second goal was to win North Carolina, win all the in-state games. And if you can do those two things, you will build a program, uh, a very solid program. And that those were his two biggest uh, goals each season, even when we finished number four. Uh, I think we were 11 and one that year. That was still our goal. We wanted to, we wanted to win the state number one, first and foremost, because if you can keep recruiting, that's how you build a a foundation and a long-term, uh, success. Brandon, let
2: me, uh, wrap this one up a little bit, but I want to ask the question that probably has, if there's a part of the fan base that doesn't, uh, isn't too keen on Mac coming back is the fact that Mac left in 1998. You mentioned that 11 and one season you guys played, I believe Virginia tech in the Gator bowl after Mac had left for Texas, destroyed Virginia tech in that game. A funny quote. I remember because it was funny to me because it was accompanied by a picture of a sack. Uh, The Virginia tech quarterback said something about to the effect of, yeah, that defense is all right. I've seen better. I think it was 42-3 to on that day. But but speak to that part of it. You were a player. Um, You have intimate knowledge of the feelings and the thoughts when that all went down. And how, um, as you've gotten older and as we've all gotten older, your thoughts on it now?
3: So I think I was was 19 years old. I was a sophomore when he left. And as with any kid, you know, emotions run – high so I, I was I was one of the ones that was uh, worked up and saying oh what am I going to do you know I, I was mad that he left I you know I, I my my trust was broken and one of the upperclassmen I can't remember if it was Omar Brown or Brian Simmons and said man it's it's business it it doesn't change you on the field you just go you go play and you know, it kind of settled me back in, and luckily, you know, I was very close with Coach Torbush, and I was I was very thankful and, and lucky that he stayed. Um, but if, a couple years later, I mean, even before I had graduated from Carolina, I was I was glad to see Coach Brown do well. You know, all the hard feelings were gone. Even as a player, it is a business, and um, you know, I understood that even when I was playing. The initial shock uh, and disappointment was there. But you know, it, it is a business. It's it's that's it's even more so twenty years later. Uh, and the fact that he left, it's it's not uncommon these days. And it was a logical decision for him. And it was a, a positive step for him. And he won a national championship. And from the time he left, and and all the stuff that I've gone through in my life, he's he's always stayed in close contact and reached out uh, and just and been a good person, been a good, I guess, a good friend uh, that whole time. So my, I've, I've gotten over it long ago. I know some of the fan base may not like it, uh, may not appreciate it, may hold a grudge, but I honestly feel that with the situation that we're in now and the, the direction the program is, is going, I don't think there's a better fit or coach for North Carolina than Coach Brown right now. I think he's going to do So much, and and surround himself with such a positive or a great staff, and do so many positive things with recruiting and and instant credibility. That you know, this is this is this is great. It's a great hire. It's a great situation for North Carolina football and really North Carolina athletics as a whole, uh, the whole athletic department.
2: Brandon, I do appreciate you taking the time to join us. Um, It was. I got to give a shout out to Matt Merletti. He sent me your contact information and and said uh, that you'd be cool with talking to us. And like I said, you were there. You were um, one of the best players on one of the best defenses North Carolina's ever had way back when. So, Brandon, as always, appreciate you joining us. Hope we maybe can do it again
1: soon sometime. Um, but thanks for coming. You got NCAA, my number.
3: Go. I appreciate it.
1: All right, let's go ahead and take a quick commercial break, guys. When we get back, we will be joined by Jason Staples, and we will wrap up the Inside Carolina Instant Reaction Roundtable to the hiring of Coach Mac Brown. Are you heading to Chapel Hill for a basketball game? Stop by one of the Jersey Mike stores in and around the Chapel Hill to get a delicious sub sandwich. Now there are five locations to choose from. The best thing is that if you use the code HEELS15, you get 15% off of your online order. Now that is good for the Chapel Hill, Hillsborough, and Chatham County locations. It's an online code only, so this is how it works. You go to jerseymikes.com slash order, or use the Jersey Mikes app, and click the location nearest to you, choose your order, pick your favorite sub, and at checkout, enter heels 15 and you get that 15% off of your whole order. You get to skip the line, head straight to the register, grab your food, and then you're on your way. Do it today. Place an online order at one of the five convenient Chapel Hill, Hillsboro, and Chatham County locations. It's a super easy process. Just remember the code HEALS15, order online, and pick up your sub. That's heels 15 And we are back now with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegler here with Tommy Ashley, Buck Sanders, and Jason Staples. All right, guys. So we've heard from Greg Barnes. We heard from Brandon Spoon. Now let's go ahead and close out the podcast with y'all's opinions and the instant reaction. So, Buck, you being the head honcho of IC, you get the honor of starting this one (laughs) off. When the news broke by Greg Barnes, It's not been officially, quote unquote, done just because there hasn't been the press conference. But when you saw, got the news, Mac Brown was coming back to to Carolina, what was the instant reaction that you had?
4: Wow. Um, You know, having thought about it for many, many moons, uh, Tommy and I and Jason as well and others have been chatting about the possibility for, I don't know, weeks, I suppose. Um, we thought it was there was some potential that that would happen, and you know I, I don't want to say that you know that it was he was my first choice or you know he was just uh, you know a slam dunk hire or any of those things. But I will say that after listening to Brandon Spoon, I feel uh, much more leaning in that direction than i have in the past because you know brandon's comments were so encouraging and uh you know and i probably haven't thought about this nearly as much as i should i know that don callahan and and john you as well think about this a lot but um repairing the relationships at high schools uh tommy thinks about this too way too much but uh (laughs) You know, repairing relationships with high school coaches and high school players, and just high schools in general, uh, you know, in this state, Um, and you know, I don't know what it was about Fedor's approach or his uh, the way he uh, went about uh, his business when it came to dealing with the high school relations. I know he he's got people on his staff that you know are uh, heavily involved in that, but you, I, there's some things you can't delegate. I don't think, uh, you know, you, if, if you're going to show up at a school, uh, head coach of North Carolina shows up at a school and he's, you know, interested in a particular player there, or whatever, it's not going to hurt to go by, introduce yourself to the head coach, uh, you know, talk to the assistants, pick their brains about things, you know have a conversation with them uh that kind of goodwill is i think goes a long way <clears throat> and you know mac that's mac brown i mean mac brown is going to you know if he goes to a high school game you can pretty much count on him um <clears throat> he's going to talk up everybody there and probably remember them the next time he sees them and ask them how their child or wife or grandma's doing that's just who he is so, you know, I think I'm a little bit more excited about it now than I was when I first got the news, but it's definitely, uh, you know, uh, going to be a different ball game in North Carolina than, than it has been the last several years.
1: All right. So Tommy talking about recruiting, you heard the same comments that Brandon Spoon mentioned when he talked glowingly about Mac and winning the state of North Carolina specifically now, we know that you have a soft spot in your heart for those Clayton, North Carolina boys. There's a bunch of good ones in this year's class that, unfortunately, Carolina missed out on. So moving forward, what's your take on the recruiting aspects that you think Mac is going to be able to bring?
2: Well, to what Brandon talked about, what Buck talked about, and I think we all agree is you have to be able to speak to somebody and make them feel like you're the only person in the room. And do it sincerely. Whether you're sincere or not, you have to be able to do it sincerely. And I think that without question, Coach Brown is able to do that. I get it. 20 years ago, everybody had the angst is that he's too old. You don't lose that part of your personality. And we've talked about that for a long time. For me personally, this hire is the best hire that North Carolina could have made. And I'll tell you this, and I'll tell you why is because Carolina football is at the bottom right now. Anybody that was in Kenan Stadium on Saturday saw the bottom. And if that wasn't the bottom and Buck would agree, then I don't want to see what the bottom is. They might as well not even have a game because there was nobody there. There was no involvement. There was no nothing around town for the NC State football game. I don't care about the weather. I don't care about anything. Think about that. Nobody cared to go to Chapel Hill to see Carolina play NC State in football. That in itself means that Carolina needs an injection of something. And Mike Brown brings that instant credibility, instant respect. The fan base is energized. And if there are any that aren't energized, listen to what Brandon Spoon had to say. And, you know, Jason – and I and Greg and Buck have talked and there's pros and cons, but I just think the pros for this situation right now outweigh any con. Now, as far as the local kids, I think that ship has probably sailed. But one reason that ship sailed is because those guys and a lot of guys didn't have any kind of relationship with the past staff, did not have um, any interpersonal relationship with, most any of those guys that's going to change with mac brown around north carolina and on the recruiting trail you heard it from spoon buck agrees jason's going to come around and agree soon enough (laughs) but that's why it's important for north carolina could they have gotten some young gun that would develop into the next great perhaps but i don't think carolina football program is at the point where they could wait and see that happen with brown he comes in, he hits the ground running d- with a good staff. And at worst, he is a segue into the next administration at North Carolina, the next staff.
1: And I just don't think they could have made a better hire than Mac Brown. All right, Jason, go ahead and jump in here because you ha- you joined in during the last half of that interview with Spoon. I remember on the podcast where you and – Tommy and Buck, you know, talked in depth about the Mac Brown potential, and you were the one kind of saying, you know, this may not be the best thing. So now that it's official, let's get your thoughts in. Has your opinion kind of changed in that area a little bit in the last maybe, you know, several hours or since the the news did break?
5: Um, I don't know that I would say my opinion has completely changed. Uh, I still think that this was – on the part of the administration a bit of a punt um which i mean given the state of north carolina football right now i think tommy has a point in terms of punting is winning right now to some extent it's better than a turnover and every possession and a kick (laughs) yeah and every possession and a kick so you know it's a bit of a punt um my thing is i'm I'm kind of waiting to see right now because as i said on that on that last podcast where we broke a lot of that down to me mac brown would have to bring really really good coordinators to make sure that that everything on that side of things is taken care of and they need to be some young guys with some energy ideally uh and and he needs to have a very energetic and young staff to to help with that um so i'm a little bit wait and see in that regard now i will say i did talk to a couple of um a couple of uh players actually from elsewhere in the acc and asked them a little bit of what they thought and uh I thought it was interesting because these guys, these are guys that, that were recruited by North Carolina and, and and by Larry Fedora and so on. And they both kind of said something along the lines of, well, you know, uh, Fedora kind of big-timed me. You know, he didn't treat me real well, so, you know, I ended up not being that interested. You know, maybe maybe it'll be a little different now. And I think based on everything I know about Mac Brown and his ability to, to handle relationships and all that, that in itself, and, and that's something I've heard before. I mean that's certainly not the first time I've heard that about the, about uh the the outgoing regime in that regard. That's something that I do think is going to change that Mac is going to is going to set about uh getting addressed right away and there's a lot of repair to do statewide uh in terms in terms of all that and I think that's a positive. Uh and that's something also that off air after the last podcast where we went back and forth about brown one thing that I talked about to end that podcast is my rule of thumb for uh for hiring a top head coach is if you're in the power five you have to hire a head coach number one thing you have to ask yourself before you pull that trigger is if this were a job that were not that did not involve football would i hire this guy to run my company is this somebody that has the skills to be a ceo organizationally to be able to attract the kind of talent set vision and set the vision for the outside, and be able to market and all of that for the outside the way that it, that a CEO needs to, to be able to do that job. And we all agreed off air, especially we all agreed that that Mac Brown has proven that he can do that multiple times. Uh, so if and 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 I conceded then that if they didn't feel like there was a a young coach out there that ticked the other boxes and then ticked that box on the CEO box then Brown winds up being the best hire for you because he does fit, he does tick the CEO box, or at least has in the past. You never know how much things change in terms of a little bit of time off and all that, but he has ticked that box in the past and being able to be an outstanding representative in terms of setting the vision outside uh, and filling the room as a CEO type. And if he can attract the kind of coaching talent that he needs in terms of assistance uh, and especially at that offensive coordinator spot. I think, I think I'm confident he'll, he'll be able to get a pretty good defensive staff uh, in in there. Uh, And and so much of defense is just making sure you have players. You've got to be able to get the athletes, particularly from the state of North Carolina, where I think there are a lot of athletes that are underrated in the services because they're multi-sport athletes. They're guys that weren't, uh, you know, on the seven on seven circuit and all that, the way that you, you see in 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 say Florida and Georgia and all that. But there's some raw athletes in the state of North Carolina that if you identify them, you can always have a good defense if you can lock down those athletes in the state of North Carolina. And I think they'll probably do reasonably well there, but he needs to have a really good hire at the offensive coordinator spot. If he does that, then I'm I'm fully on board. Uh, and I can tell you right now, one of the players that I coached this last year at wide receiver with Mac Brown on on the roster, I, I I would be surprised to see if see that player not give North Carolina a long look, uh, considering his dad was on staff with with Brown years ago, really liked it, and uh, and that guy, you know that that receiver I I coached uh, could be a, a pretty good player uh, at the UNC level at multiple positions. So I suspect that there will be more than just that kind of kid, uh, more than just the one I coached that'll be on that list of guys given another look. So. Just to me, it all it's all contingent on those coordinator hires, particularly the offensive coordinator.
1: And in full disclosure, I was also skeptical about the Mac Brown hire at the beginning. Also had a off-air conversation about it, and just like what you what you said, Jason, I think to me it all does come down to that staff and recruiting. Which, hearing what's what Spoon said. And Buck has also made the comment that in regards to the negative recruiting aspects of Mac, that he's either, quote, too old or that he's not going to be at Carolina for a while. He's experienced enough where I do agree he's going to have some countermeasures to that. In terms of the staff, which is the going to be the number one biggest thing, You know, Buck, what do you think about that offensive and defensive coordinator spots? The name that we've seen kind of floated around on the social media is Gene Gene Chizik. But you actually have another name that you think might be a little bit of a more interesting fit at Carolina. So let's start with the defense side. And who do you think Mack will be kind of targeting for that spot?
4: You know, Obviously, Mac has a, a relationship with Gene Chiswick. He was on his staff in Texas. Um, they know each other well. Uh, he's an obvious fit at North Carolina. He's been there before. Um, you know, it's it's not going to shock me or um, you know demoralize me to see uh, Gene Chiswick in any shape, form, or fashion return to to North Carolina. I, I don't think that is is part of my uh, thinking. At all, at, in terms of uh, not being down with a Gene chiswick hire, but the guy that I think is intriguing to me um, is uh, Jay Bateman, the defensive coordinator at Army. A uh, very young guy. Uh, Jason talked about uh, the value of having young coordinators and you know some youth on the staff. I think Jay is probably forty-one. Uh, and he's already made a, a real reputation for himself uh, as a defensive guru. Uh, you know, there, there are guys that, uh, you know, can have good defenses because they're, they've got studs, you know, from one end to the other uh, side of the field uh, on defense. But he coaches at Army, and before he arrived, uh, two years before he got there, I think they were giving up about 35 points per game. And since he's been there, they've had several years where they're giving up less than 20 points a game that uh, they took Oklahoma to overtime, you know, and Oklahoma had Oklahoma athletes and they had army cadets and Army's an interesting laboratory. The way I look at it, because the guys at army or the, the roster at army, you know, there might be a tweak here or there where, you know, one year you happen to have a really great offensive player here or there, but for the most part, the guys you're going to get at army are the guys you're going to get an army year in and a year out, uh, that, that, the, the talent quotient on an army roster isn't going to change dramatically, uh, that much from, you know, year to year. So if, if, he could come in at army and, and make a, you know, double digit, uh, maybe two touchdown improvement in scoring. Um, when he's really dealing with the same personnel that, that speaks volumes to me and, and doing some reading about him, he's pretty unique in how he approaches, uh, defense and how schematically he, uh, attacks offenses and, He's, uh, you know, has developed, you know, his teaching techniques and how he preps for games, uh, in and sort of a unique way, uh, to the point where NFL coaches are making a trip to West point to, to learn how he does things. So, uh, he's an intriguing candidate to me. Um, you know, with Gene Chizik, you know, what you're going to get with Gene. Um, he's going to, you know, play that Tampa two, He's not going to get too aggressive. He's going to keep everything in front of him. He's not going to give up the splash plays. Uh, he's going to force the offense to march the ball downfield methodically, and and it, it's not an ineffective approach.
5: I mean, that approach we saw it work multiple times. Um, and if you've got guys up front that can make that can make, hey, if you've got if you can get some again, defense is about personnel. If you can get some guys up front that can cause problems, then those drives stop being real long. Anyway, you start getting pressure with your front four. If you've got, you know, when when he ran that defense at at Auburn, when they won a national title, they had Nick Fairley. You get one Nick Fairley up front, and all of a sudden uh, that defense – you, you not only are, are, are you know preventing teams from making big plays, but you're you're getting in their backfields. It's about getting that personnel and that's going to be the key defensively.
1: You so, mean like it. a you, you mean like a Dexter Lawrence type that yeah, uh chose you, you land Yeah.
5: You, I've been saying Dexter Lawrence's name for a couple of years now that you know you land a Dexter one Dexter Lawrence changes your entire program because suddenly defensively you're a whole different animal.
4: But I, I like
5: I like uh, I like uh, Jay Bateman.
4: Uh, I like to, I'm ready for something different. I think more than anything else, I like his youth and uh, like to see what he could do at, at North Carolina. So uh, that's a name that kind of jumps out at me.
1: All right, let me get Tommy's thoughts on something here, guys, because you know Tommy doesn't get the chance to you know talk too much in these <laughs> podcasts. He's he's normally sitting in the host chair. So T A man on a scale from one to ten how ready are you to see just some sort of defense at Carolina and, and to really, you know, have a team out there that's not just going to be giving up 35 points per game over and over what just start there, man. I, Cause I get the sense that that's probably the one thing that I think you are most excited about with, uh, with Mac Brown. Well,
2: I'm, I'm a defense guy, um, but, Here's what makes North Carolina's defense better immediately, even with the players they have on the roster now, is discipline. And we've heard a lot about um, do your job. It, North Carolina, if you and Jason, you break down tape all the time for inside Carolina, and it's fascinating to watch. There are times when North Carolina's defense, nine guys do everything right and two guys or one guy does something wrong and it leads to catastrophic plays. There are times when North Carolina does everything right and then a a bonehead penalty takes it all away. And I'm not knocking on any former staff at all. It is what it is at this point. That is what I'm most wanting to see out of the North Carolina football team is a disciplined approach and executing the game plan as it was coached to be executed. Now, amen, hallelujah, glory, glory, hallelujah. It, it, Jason agrees with me, man. That's, I've got him turned. I mean, I, when I get to talk, I know a little bit about it, but <laughs> but that's that's it. I mean, John, that's it's as simple as that. Is that there have been so many times over these last two years for North Carolina where they've won five ball games where if they were just disciplined and did what they were supposed to do, and everybody was on the same page, we're not having this discussion about Mac Brown. And so that's what I'm interested in seeing. And I think they can be – the offense is loaded next year, period. You'd have to really screw it up to screw up Carolina's offense next year. The offensive line, there could be some issues, but I don't think that can be screwed up. The defense, I think, has enough talent. We talked about Dexter Lawrence. Well, if Aaron Crawford comes back, and Aaron Crawford's healthy, there's probably a, a partial Dexter Lawrence. And who knows that how much of a Dexter Lawrence he can be because he's never mm. healthy. But That's he a- he can make a difference. I mean, those are – He, can, are be a, he that,
5: can be a really good player, but, I mean, we're talking like a, a, a homeless man's Dexter Lawrence. I mean, Dexter fine. Lawrence is – is it, Dexter well, look, Lawrence is, is – there aren't many of those guys. You give me
2: 75% <laughs> Dexter Lawrence out of Aaron Crawford next year, and Carolina's defense is immensely better straight out of the gate.
5: Yeah, hard to argue with. I agree with that, but it's going to be hard to get seventy five percent of Dexter (laughs) Lawrence out of out of anybody. I mean that
1: Dexter Lawrence. There there aren't many of those guys, man. Look, let's go ahead and wrap this one up, guys. Transitioning over to offense, because I think just you know off the top of my head, the criticism that I remember hearing most about Mac was that he only won a national championship when he had the transcendent quarterback Vince Young, which you know it's. A knock, possibly, but at the same time, you know he got Vince Young on campus, and you get credit for recruiting him in the first place. But so, so let the, me
2: let me ask that question though: Is Davo yeah. Sweetie only won a national? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh
5: yeah, I'm not saying yeah, that, I mean, that. Let's let let's go down that that criticism is <laughs> I, I, is so ridiculous. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to interrupt here because, dang it, I hear that criticism of different coaches all the time. And you look down the list, find, find me a coach where that's basically not true. And there's really one. I mean, Nick you go Saban. down the list, you got Nick Saban. And guess yeah. what? He, he, uh, he needed Tua to do it last year. And he hasn't done it without a quarterback that's been really good. I mean, Jake Coker was is third in Alabama history, now behind Tua. He was second in Alabama history when, uh, in passing yardage and, and, and one of the tops in efficiency when they won it in 2015. But you go back down the list. You got Deshaun Watson, Jake Coker. You had uh, Ohio State, which was a weird situation where nobody had tape on on a guy who ended up getting drafted, right? Then you had Jameis Winston. Then you had Alabama, Alabama. Then you had, uh, you know, a guy named Cam Newton. <laughs> Alabama. Tim Tebow. I mean... Okay, Nobody so wins and, and, a
2: national championship without a
5: transcendent player. That's right. Without a transcendent player, and almost no one wins a national championship without a transcendent quarterback. I mean, it's it's almost a requirement. Unless you're Alabama, you go down this list outside of Alabama and see Ohio State got transcendent quarterback play from, from, uh, from the guy that, that stepped in there. Without transcendent quarterback play, you're not winning a national title. I mean... Then you go back to, you know, Tim Tebow, you go back to, uh, uh, to Vince Young. And then before him, you had, uh, the Heisman Trophy winner at USC. I mean, the last decade is basically a bunch of transcendent quarterbacks winning the national title with the occasional transcendent Alabama team that, you know, they're, they've got so much more talent than anybody else that they can do it without a transcendent quarterback. But even they, and when they don't have a really good one, they don't win.
1: Well, so the in terms of scheme and offensive, I I think you've been told.
4: I think you've been told, John.
1: No, he he knows. Told. (laughs) Uh, Look, I was not saying that there was any validity validity to the criticism. I was just saying Uh, that's what I remember off top of my head people yeah. would lodge that you Let know we go through him. the slack channel boys with these <laughs> yeah, things stay yeah. forever
2: john siegley he
5: didn't win anything without vince young <laughs> and, and the that. thing is if, they, if they'd have had if they'd have had a healthy colt mccoy they'd have they, were movi- they were moving the football against alabama until mccoy got hurt in that game so you know let's be real about he, he took him to another national title there so that that criticism not exactly
1: fair either yeah well, look, if I can make my transition here, y'all, <laughs> the name of offensive coordinator that, again, we've seen on the interwebs, social media, is Cliff Kingsbury. And what I was going to say is, if you look at someone that has managed to get passing yards and offensive numbers, regardless of who's that quarterback, Kingsbury's offenses have been delivering. I think they're like fifth or sixth in the country this year in passing. It, UNC has talented quarterbacks. I don't think you can call any of the either of the freshmen transcendent, but they're talented. So, Jason, if you are looking at Cade Foren and Jace Ruder, if Mac is able to get somebody like Kingsbury paired with that possibly <laughs> innovative defensive coordinator, like Buck was saying with uh, with Bateman or even Gene Chiswick, if that does happen. Is that to you that magic elixir that could get Carolina to the potential promised land? I think they win the division if
5: they get that kind of that kind of a coordinator combination next year. Okay. If they if they get if they if they get Cliff Kingsbury and and one of those two quarterbacks stays healthy all year, and they're able to basically get things, you know, together, you know, to to stay coordinated and disciplined on defense. I think they win the division next year. Cuz there's enough talent on that offense to average 35 plus. With with competent quarterback play. The plays were there all year. You break down the tape and the plays were there. I mean, those receivers, the young receivers, there there's talent. Those running backs, you know, Carter's going to return. And there's enough talent returning on the offensive line that I think, you know, that offense with good coordination. And and I think even with Fedora and the, and, and, and the staff returning, whoever, you know, he'd have had, they'd have been pretty good next year with that, with, with that, with a a, a better quarterback there, but you bring in a cliff Kingsbury or somebody like that to, uh, to coordinate that offense. And you're putting up some serious numbers. Cause I think the talents there at the quarterback position to be able to do some of that. And they haven't had that in the last couple of years, but, there's plenty of talent around it, and the quarterback. If you get a quality quarterback, and I think they've got two of them, two young quality kids. All of a sudden, things are very different, and I and I think that that side of the that side of the conference is still going to be pretty weak next year. I think they'll they'd have a real shot at winning the winning the. Uh, I don't think they'd win the conference, but because uh, I don't think anybody's winning it while the elf is at, at Clemson. But um, but uh, you know, I think they'd have a chance of going to go into the conference title game next year with that kind of coordinator combination.
2: And you can't win it unless you're there. And if That's they right. get, and if they get there, there's always a chance. And yeah, well,
5: as long as the elf is at Clemson, I'm, I'm not buying that there's much of a chance.
2: Yeah, but one good hit, and he's out. <laughs> right. Um. Yeah.
1: All but right. At any now, rate, now look, Buck, I, we're turning it over to Buck. Buck. Yeah. Exactly. I wanted to. <laughs> I wanted to hear from from Buck's thoughts on this because I think you know when it comes to ears on the ground. Buck is the guy. So what are you hearing, Mr. Sanders? Do you think Kingsbury, is it even realistic, or are we kind of jumping the gun here?
4: Well, uh, I had to break myself out of a slumber over here. Uh, (laughs) But, but yeah, now that I'm fully awake. uh, Hater. (laughs) uh, (laughs) uh, You know, I I like, obviously, Kingsbury would be a home run hire. There's no question about that. but. I think that uh, one one reason to be excited uh, for the offense next year is that every single player um, who took a snap at offensive line last year um, is eligible return in 2019. So uh, everybody that took a snap gets to, you know, they've had a year to, uh, you know, end the fire. A lot of those guys hadn't played before or had very little experience. And the fact that you're going to have a much more experienced offensive line uh, going into 2019, usually, it seems to me, especially with Carolina, you you have those years where um, you, you have a, a decent, uh, experienced offensive line, but maybe you're a little weak uh, at wide receiver or you're a little weak at uh, quarterback or you're a little weak at running back but you know across the board, i think um, they're going to be really good and solid and you know maybe not have a transcendent player at every position uh, or even one on the entire team but they're going to be very very solid from you know one hash mark to the other on on offense and so i think that's a a, a real good reason to get excited but as far as uh, my thoughts on kingsbury i mean as far as the likelihood of him coming i know that they're very interested in bringing him um and that um you know it'd be a good situation for him we don't have any hard information about how that's going to play out i wish i did but i don't um but those things are they're being discussed now um there's another guy that i think is the uh Offensive coordinator at Boise State, uh, Zach Hill, that might get a look. But, um, you know, with the right, again, young, dynamic coordinator to pair pair him up with uh, Mac Brown, I think that's uh, the best of all possible worlds. And, and Kingsbury obviously knows what he's doing, uh, X's and O's, Y's on offense. So that's where I come out on that.
1: Actually, I just remembered one final question for you, Buck. When you're looking at UNC's staff now with the assistant coaches, do you see anybody remaining behind on Mac Brown's staff, or do you think it could be a complete change top to bottom?
4: Well, I think it's obvious that they're, um, go, they will try to keep some of those staff members uh, because they need to. Tommy, Tommy Thigpen obviously has a relationship with, with Mac. Um, and also with Gene Chizik, if, if Chiswick ends up being the uh, defensive coordinator, um, you know, nobody has to move a, a muscle you know, that you've got your, one of your players, one of your assistants already in place. And, um, and so, yeah, obviously they're going to try to keep Tommy Thigpen if they can, I think they would probably uh, give uh, Robert Gillespie a hard look. um and, and be a good uh, idea. And, and probably keep him. Um, you know, if if the coordinator's cool with it, I mean, these coordinators need to be – that's why you don't see position coaches hired before coordinators because the coordinator, um, you know, he's going to have his own thoughts about who he wants on the offensive side of the ball and who he wants in that room with him. Um, and, and so they've got that, that has to fit together, but, uh, you know, I, I, obviously Tommy, maybe Chad Scott, maybe Robert Gillespie. Um, I think those are the three that I would say have the best chance to, to uh, transition to a Mac Brown staff.
1: All right, guys. Well, I told Buck he could get the final word. I'm a man of my word. So we are going to end it on that. Thank you guys for joining and for everyone listening in inside Carolina, we'll be interviewing more players, hopefully in the future that played under Mac Brown. So be on the lookout for those for tonight. We'll call it a call. We will call this one to a close gentlemen. Thank you again for joining me. Thank you, John. Thanks John. Word. Peace.